Hello, my name's Nessa. I go to St Mary's College School and I've lived in Broome for my whole life and you're listening to Radio Glory. You are. We're packing them in on the network also across the country by the National Indigenous Radio Service. It's just gone 12 after the hour. And, yes, uh, with pleasure, I also welcome back to our studios the Dr. Anne Paulina, who's now these days a laureate. Hello, welcome. Good morning, Sandy, and good morning, listeners. So, Mabunganga, families of Broome, and Mabungimbi to all those listeners out there listening to this fantastic program on Radio Galari. Thank you, Sandy. Oh, thank you always for your time. A busy lady at that. On in around Fitzroy Crossing there last week, I understand. Yeah, um, I had a wonderful opportunity. I was invited by the Fitzroy Valley Futures. A group of um, amazing women were co-chairing. Yamanyumi Hand and um, Lynette Shaw was there and Mary Aitkins. And, um, you know, under the leadership of Vaughan, and there was a a wonderful opportunity to come together and be in that space. I've not um, ever gone to the Fitzroy Valley Futures, but I think it's a, a wonderful forum and a great platform. And they even have a soapbox session where community members are free to get up and talk about issues that impact on their lives and their well-being. So, yeah, not long ago in Fitzroy Crossing by the amazing Matawara Fitzroy River. Yeah, yes, because we were going to also touch on that, but they've already had that uh, one-year anniversary of uh, that declaration signing, haven't they? Well, uh, it was one year ago. It was on the 3rd of November, and I guess this is a question from the river coming back to all of our leaders is who is listening to the river who is listening and and the river's watching our behavior and um i guess one of the big things at the moment is was yeah it was an opportunity to go back to the fitzroy valley futures and just reinvigorate the fact that the declaration is now one year old and the need for us to look at where we are going to partner with different entities um in regards to funding a management plan and i understand the KLC through the klc leadership there's some conversations happening there but Within our own PBC, the Wallalaku Aboriginal Body Corporate for our native title, Lands and Waters, um, Nyiganamangala people are responsible for 40% of that Fitzroy River. And so because we're downstream, anything that happens upstream is going to um, impact on us. So, you know, we had a meeting, a PBC meeting a, a little while ago, and basically people are saying is that through Nyiganamangala people, we need to take some um, stands and stand up and be strong and show some muscle and put in and get some resources to really focus on wider cultural governance framework, what the legal regimes might um, need to be. So this would add value to the uh, Kimberley Land Council management plan, management strategy. So we're looking at how do we better collaborate um, with entities on the ground, but there is some serious work that needs to happen because of the growing demands on the river. So, um, you know, as I said, the river's watching, the river's listening, and it is a living system, and it has a right to life, as we've argued in the Fitzroy River Declaration. Oh, I only had that reminder myself being up there in the east and central Kimberley, just going across those bridges and then back on the causeways. Just the magnitude of how powerful that water is when it comes through, it's just amazing. Yeah, no, it is an amazing system. I mean, some of the research that I've been doing with um, Dr. Vic Seminook, looking at the from the mouth of the river right back to Midrigan, is some of this preliminary science is showing that 
the Marwara, the Fitzroy River, not only is it national heritage listed, but it is a globally unique river system. There's not another river like it anywhere on the planet and possibly anywhere in the universe. So, you know, all of these bits of information are really important to how valuable the Fitzroy River is. And as I said, it, from the research that we've done just in the last six months, it's showing that the valley trackways of the Fitzroy River are globally unique and they're also diverse. So, you know, what we're saying um, as part of our um, native title body corporate is that there are a range of different economies that can come and sit side by side with the river, such as culture, conservation and science. So we're talking with people like, um, you know, the wonderful community of Pandanus Park around walking trails. And then there's people in Derby saying, well, if you've got walking trails, we want to bring our horses along the river. So, you know, these are early conversations, but I think the most critical um, element in terms of my conversation back to the Fitzroy Valley Futures um, members the other week was we really need to get a management plan on the table and the local government, the Shire of Derby West Kimberley, really needs to be an integral player in this because what we're talking about is good water leadership and good governance because at the moment there's huge demands on the river. You know, there's conversations around um, someone extracting 4 billion litres of water for um, to grow cotton. Um, there's other people talking about increasing their existing water licences. The Department of Water came to us and is talking about a new water plan for Derby. So there's all these conversations happening and I think one of the things that was integral in the Fitzroy River Declaration Plan is we need to get together and have a management plan so that we can understand cumulative impacts. And what I'm saying is that we need to work in with local government, with the pastoralists, graziers, with mining companies, but all of the traditional owners that live along the river. Uh, I think one of the conversations that's happening at the moment is around fracking and um, there is an inquiry, a WA inquiry, um, that really needs to bring these sorts of issues to the table and really gouge them up with, um, build them up and, and back them with strong science. So what we're saying is that, you know, it's time, what I keep saying as I travel around the globe and around the country nationally is we have an opportunity to prevent a disaster with the Fitzroy River. We've seen the efforts of the Murray-Darling Basin and as we know, even with $8 billion of uh, investment, there's still water theft happening. So we want an opportunity to do it right, to get it right, to sit down with all our neighbours, to have local government at the table as well as all the conservation groups and everyone who live, love and die Kimberley because this is a water source that's precious. Water demands are only going to increase and they're increasing globally. So it's time to reframe this conversation around a serious management strategy. But one of the things that we're hoping to look at through um, Walla Laku PBC is looking at the cultural governance and the legal framework. And um, those of you that went to the AGM for CALAC and KLC and KLRCs um, are very um, aware that the Kimberley Aboriginal Law and Culture um, Committee uh, com- have got a conversation on the table whereby um, Steve Kinane has assisted in drafting the CALAC cultural position. So what we're saying is that there are many organisations doing many, many good things and I believe this CALAC cultural position paper is a great way to frame the cultural governance framework for the Fitzroy River. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's about collective wisdom. It's about all of us coming to the table or working together because the main emphasis for me is that we have an opportunity to prevent the disaster of the Murray-Darling Basin. So let's get this right. Yeah, we've been just talking about that recently on, on a number, 
another program when surveys that they're doing there with the Murray Darling and work that's being done finally. Aboriginal people are being, well, brought to the table there. Also, speak about international uh, travel and uh, combining it with what you do here at home. That's been recognised recently. You're a laureate. What does that mean? <laughs> hey! Yeah, it's interesting. It's sort of like, okay, tick that box, it's a laureate, move on with the real work that I've got to do. But um, it is, uh, you know, it, it is a, a, um, a big uh, recognition to the work that I'm doing because all of this work that I'm doing, I'm doing as a volunteer. I'm not on any wage and so I'm committed to this process. So I guess it was wonderful receiving this award because, as I said, um, it's the first for an Australian since 1998 since the award was... Um, was granted so um it, it is a big uh, recognition that somebody is watching the work that i'm doing and um yeah to be able to put laureate behind your name i think it's all in the marketing and framing that when you do go around and talk you are coming from a position of um you know experience that's recognized at an international level and um as i said it's you know the international acclade is fantastic but um there's still a lot of work to do on the ground. So that award was to recognise my life work in regards to working as a woman living and working with other rural women. So it was, you know, a, big, a very big tick and I'm very proud to have received it and been nominated. And, um, you know, I could not do the work I do without having two amazing women who have guided me through my life besides, um, you know, having a wonderful sister, Glenna Sibisato, who was the first social justice commissioner in the state, but also in the last 15 years to be working alongside of, um, you know, our matriarch and fantastic woman, Lucy Marshall and Jeannie Wabi. So, um, you know, there's women silently working in the background that are supporting leaders like myself and um, keep us on track because at the end of the day it's about having um, cultural integrity, having really sound values and ethics and thinking that it's not just about us but it's about children not born yet. That's exactly and uh, where we're going with that future and how we're going to do it with the the changes, the challenges and that, that river, the country is very much been a part of your focus with with science and, and being a doctor. Yeah, no, that's exactly right, Sandy. Um, <laughs> those of you may also know that one of the things I'm currently doing is I'm also doing a Doctor of Health Science full-time through Notre Dame University, and that's through publication. So a lot of the work that I'm doing is being published um, and in some very renowned national and international journals and texts. So that way, a lot of the work that I'm doing gets out there and it's, can be peer-reviewed and scrutinised by other researchers, other legal minds to see, you know, am I on track and where is all this work going so um i think that's really exciting the other thing was last week i attended a a meeting that was held by the indigenous land corporation and it was very very interesting meeting and it connected um a lot of other aboriginal leaders um, across the north because you know we have this conversation around northern development and i guess one of the big questions out of that are where are aboriginal people placed and I noticed that, um, you know, there's conversation in the Northern Territory in regards to the pastoral lands and how they're looking to, um, you know, change the land tenure system to be able to support um, 
government and um, other stakeholder interests, but not the the interest of Aboriginal people. So these conversations are on the national agenda. I think the other thing I wanted to make a point of with the ILC is that the ILC are now looking to change the um, act under which they are governed to include water. So in the past it was land um, investments and um, developments. So now they're also on the agenda in regards to, <clears throat> excuse me, extending that act to encompass water because, as I said, water is a resource. It will become a commodity that will become tradable. So Aboriginal people really need to be front and centre of this conversation, but not just the conversation, the actions in in terms of managing it. So under the Fitzroy River Declaration, we were talking about uh, grounding the declaration in a cultural governance framework and I'm indebted to the work that CALAC has done around their cultural positioning because this will really provide the centre focus of what we're talking about but also the legal regimes because um, some of the conversations I've been having with legal minds from across the globe is looking at a legal regime that will set a legal precedence in this country around water. So these conversations are very important. Kimberley leaders are leading the way nationally and globally in terms of some of these conversations with the UN and with the OECD in terms of water stewardship, water governance and water leadership. And um, just before I came here, I was on a conversation with um, <clears throat> many other Indigenous leaders and what we're talking about is planning towards a 2019 gathering in Melbourne because um, some of you may know that through the Melbourne City Council, the Yarra River has now um, received legal recognition as a living water body. So um, Melbourne is leading the way in this country with this sort of framing. So in 2019, we're looking at an international gathering of Indigenous and First Nations people coming to Melbourne to celebrate and, show, and showcase and share their living water stories. So um, that notice will go out pretty soon once we've sort of formalised and fixed in a date. But what I'm saying is that um, First Nations people, Indigenous people around the globe are also looking at water as well in terms of better, wa better water management. And, you know, as the Nailsma definition of water goes, what we're talking about and what that definition says is that land, water and people are intrinsically in entwined and we cannot separate them. So I think there's, you know, very, very important um, conversations and actions that are being championed in this country by Indigenous leadership. And you're the perfect example of it. There's uh, a treat yet to come in a couple of weeks. We won't say anything about uh, that. And But uh, for a lady that's homeschooled her children, you certainly uh, keep a watchful eye on all of the events happening uh, around the place, whether it be locally and internationally, because, like you said... Everyone has everything in common with water, don't they? Yes, they do, Sandy. Water is life, our old people say. No river, no people. That's exactly. And I'm glad we've got that river there on Nigana land as that really brings uh, the good doctor to our studios uh, today. And Paulina, Dr. Anne, thank you for coming in. Thank you very much and thank you, listeners, and Galia Marble. Dr. Anne Paulina. <laughs>